Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's a great day to be great. Great day to win some freaking fantasy football drafts. That's what life is all about after all. And joining me to help us accomplish that very... The one, the only, Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? What's up, man? Yeah, I, I think we crushed a couple of drafts this weekend, personally. You know, you and I hung out a little bit off the clock, you know, because, you know... We like doing what we do even when we're not on the clock. Like, that's the beauty. Uh, you know, when you pull uh, Darren Waller and Mark Andrews in a tight end premium league past ADP, you definitely are going to send some screenshots to your buddies. Like, I have some friends that draft there, and they were going nuts. So, yeah, and then, like, last week, we crushed some NFFC drafts, man. I felt really good. Josh yeah. Jacobs, are we getting him in round two anymore? I don't think we are. Hey, well, I, we, we got, got him in round three. three. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> <He was sorry. laughs> we went robust RB and everybody was roasting us. Uh, and it was basically because the guys fell to us. We got Nick Chubb in round two. Then we come back, get Jacobs in round three. But that's why when we talk about drafting in the preseason, man. You just kind of got to buy in and take a little risk, right, on some of these things we know could change. Speaking of, I know we have a lot to dive into. I was about to say, preseason has finally concluded. You know, not my favorite part of the football calendar, but a part of the football calendar nonetheless, Dwayne. And as always, we care far less about the actual performance going on in the preseason, much more about the first team usage. Because if you guys have looked at those unofficial depth charts even one time, you can tell how much of a shit show that can be. So again, going through some of Dwayne's handy dandy top utilization takeaways from this last week and really trying to talk through again how that has changed our rankings the most because I know Labor Day and just draft weekend in general right around the corner for a lot of you and then you know we just have week one so we want to be on top of all these things for that as well so with that Dwayne let's get after it starting off with some Jacksonville Jaguars backfield utilization talking about Travis Etienne and Tank Bigsby split with Trevor Lawrence under center for I believe about five drives yep yep go off King yeah okay yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) my bad yeah so i mean just looking at the the usage with trevor lawrence we've got etn 67 percent of the snaps third or 65 percent of the rushing attempts 63 percent route participation 67 percent of the short down and distance and 67 percent of the long down and distance work so that that's all of the drives where we've had trevor lawrence on the field for the preseason so not just last week um, it does appear like Tank Bigsby is not stealing any specific work or high leverage work that we like to talk about, Ian. So we have seen ETN now get plenty of work in short yardage. We've seen ETN get a carry inside the five. Bigsby has gotten some of that work, but really, like if you look at the two, like Bigsby snaps 28%, rush attempts 35%, routes 19%, short down and distance 33%. He's not taking over any of the roles. And that was the big concern with Travis Etienne. What if suddenly, because of everything the coaches said in the offseason, the struggles they had inside the five last year, and now they had this back that they just thought was a more physical presence that they had talked about drafting, was that going to be an issue? And again, this is still a small sample. Like, talk about, oh, this is everything from the preseason. It's still not even a full game of NFL football. So I want to be careful with it. But all we can do is go off of what we've, heard from training camp, which has been typically, look, Bigsby's nice, but ETN is the lead guy. And now the utilization is also backing that up. 
I really hope none of you out there were expecting like Bigsby to take over this backfield at any point throughout this season. I mean, for me, it's always been more of a very similar just to the Jalen Warren play and without, you know, as much Najee slander. Because we're, again, we're not doubting like that ETN can't be a great rusher of the football. More so, can he get, again, a stranglehold on the short down distance carries and the targets? And the sample something looking pretty good for him. The two questions that I have though, Dwayne, again, five drives, not the biggest sample, but we're working with it. How much do you care and put stock into the fact that in week one, Tank Bigsby plays one snap in like 11 plays with Trevor Lawrence? Week three gets up to 36%. We have seen in the past rookies, their roles grow as the year goes on. His role did grow from week one to week three. So when you're looking at preseason usage, like how do you kind of account for, I guess, expedited playing time as it goes on? Well, it also goes into like my projections as well. And like, I'm constantly fine tuning those. People can get those for free over on fantasylife.com. Free? And In this economy? Yeah, I, I think it's still free. I think it's still <laughs> free. But you also get Matthew Friedman. So if you want a more, uh, you know, if you want to be able to look at like an aggregate, like between the two or an average between hours, you can see that. Or you can look at, you know, either or. But I've got Bigsby right at like 26, 27% rushing uh, of the rushing attempts for the season. So like, I expect him to be right around 30%. Um, I expect him to be right around 30% for um, the snaps. I think the big question, you know, is if Jamichael Hasty's like going to factor in, you know, I know when we were talking, you know, before the show, uh, I mean, you, you can speak to your own concerns about Hasty. Um, we saw him working in the passing downs last year. Like as the season went on, we did, we did see him start to steal, you know, some of those plays from ETN. Now we have not seen that over the broad, you know, preseason. And again, broad being five drives, folks, it's what we have, you know? Um, so it, it looks like ETN still going to be the primary passing down back. At least they're going to try that to start the season. But I do think, you know, there's a little bit of risk, you know, with Jamichael hasty, he didn't play until the seventh drive, this, this last preseason game, which is like after the backups, backups have come out, which is kind of weird for them to do that. Like, why would they even play him? Like if they want him to have a role week one, when you could get hurt late in the game like that. But again, who knows, maybe the dude missed a rep at practice or something, you know, we don't know everything behind, like why certain decisions get made in the preseason. He might've been late to a meeting. Like we just, yeah. we, we have no clue really. So I don't want to like overthink that, but you know, hasty was a pain in the ass last year for ETN uh, down the stretch people last real game we had divisional round loss against the chiefs jermichael hasty 57 percent snaps travis Etienne 43 percent cannot be more clear about this we're, we're not saying hasty is a direct threat to travis Etienne's like status as the lead back in jacksonville but Dwayne, when you got to use a fourth round pick on the guy we don't want three-headed committees we want a very very clear lead I'll say as great of a rusher as ETN is, I mean, we saw it last year, Miles Sanders and Jamal Williams, you know, thousand plus rushing yards, double digit touchdowns, and they weren't more than, you know, mid tier RB twos in full PPR scoring. So really is so important to get that, you know, two minute, four minute drive work. And I could just see Jermichael Hasty being, you know, kind of like a poor man's version of Kenneth Gamewell as a thorn in the side of ETN fantasy managers. But all that said, undoubtedly, again, across the entire preseason, some good 
good uses for Travis Etienne. So at that point, though, Dwayne, it takes us to, does this change the way you're approaching round four in fantasy drafts? Because we've also lost out, you know, on Jerry Judy over the course of this, Terry McLaurin, JSN are getting banged up. I don't hate the idea of, you know, getting the right running back in round four. But once we get there, it's like Etienne versus Joe Mixon. And I still tend to give the nod to Mixon there. Or, and we'll get to him in just a little bit, maybe I don't take a running back there because we do know there's another potential workhorse in Houston waiting in the wings for us a bit. Yeah, I'm sure we'll hit on him in just a bit. Like I just, I just actually tweeted about that player. But looking at Etienne, I... I am more willing to take him in round four. Like I've got pretty limited exposure so far, but this is enough like to get me back on board. So there's a few things like I know we've kind of talked about him versus Kenneth Walker, right? Hey, Mm -hmm. Kenneth Walker, is that the same thing? You get it around later. I do give the edge to ETN now for a few reasons. Um, And it's not just the preseason utilization. That's just kind of like cherry on top enough to kind of swing me over to ETN. But first of all, like he's got first round draft capital, right? Kenneth Walker's got second. Tank Bigsby is later draft capital than Zach Charbonnet. Also, Zach Charbonnet was a better prospect coming out of college in our rookie running back model, pre and post draft. So whether we want to include draft capital or not include draft capital, Zach Charbonnet was a better player than Tank Bigsby. Also a more round, a more well-rounded player, meaning like he could get on the field via passing downs. He could get on the field via carries inside the five. I think there's a lot more outs. The other part, right, Charbonnet, has the higher draft capital than what we saw for Tank Bigsby. So I think when you put all those things together, I do think ETN is worth, you know, going in round four. Kenneth Walker's worth going in round five. That doesn't mean like you shouldn't take Kenneth Walker. Uh, I just would definitely lean to Travis ETN. I think your question is a really good one. Um, You know, looking at Joe Mixon versus ETN. I I believe you had Drew Davenport on. What did he have to say about Mixon's potential versus Sounds like it's going to be, he would not be surprised at all if it's nothing, if it's going to be anything. He's thinking like it's a one or two game slap on the wrist, if at all. But he said there's a very real chance there's going to be no suspension. Okay. But if any risk at all, like that's probably enough for me to put ETN above Joe Mixon. I had already moved ETN one spot ahead of Brees Hall because Brees Hall is going to start. He's going to start slow. They're going to let Dalvin Cook cook early. And I do think Brees Hall can still be a league winner for you late in the season. But like we're, you know, we're having to split these hairs, (laughs) you know. So um, I think I'm going to, I'll have ETN just ahead of Mixon based on the potential for suspension alone. Um, You know, they both have their own warts. Like we've talked about it enough. Mixon's Mm. efficiency was terrible last year, but was really good in the passing game on a team that we love, you know, their passing attack and their weapons. So I'm going to, I'm going to go slightly ETN ahead. I, I could totally see why, though, someone would take Mixon. Like, it wouldn't be something if someone did that, I would be offended, you know, and be like, oh, my God, like, what are you doing? You know, some of our private conversations we have sometimes when we watch people draft. Most of you are really good drafters. Sometimes, though, we have some funny (laughs) conversations. Anything like where I would think, oh, my God, this is ludicrous. I get it. Also, Dwayne, shout out Calvin Ridley emerging as the clear number oh, one dude. wide receiver in Jacksonville in terms of, you know, targets per out run, route rate, and everything going on there. It was just a plus target share, man. Ooh, this preseason. That'll, that'll work. That'll work. Because again, there was some concern about like, okay, could we be overestimating the gap, you know, in actual targets yeah. and opportunity between Ridley and especially Christian Kirk, maybe even Zay Jones from you, some of you truthers out there. And at this point, Dwayne, like it's really tough to get Ridley in round three anymore. You usually got to go after him in round two. Enough for you to kind of rank him over the like overqualified potential wide receiver twos, the Jalen Waddle, Chris Olave, Devontae Smith, and T. Higgins of the 
I think that's the guys you consider putting him above. I've already got him above T Higgins. I've got him above Metcalf. Yeah. I've thought about putting him over Olave and Waddle. I do Ooh. think he's that good. Um, but I think he belongs in that tier with them. Right. Yeah. So if you're going to draft a ton of teams, for example, in best ball on underdog, and you should definitely be mixing in Christian Kirk, like over those guys. I mean, not Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley over those guys. Now you have to be careful because you can get them in round two. And sometimes Ridley does come back to you in round three. So, you know, I mean, you got to got to kind of balance those things. And I totally get that. But I want to make sure I absolutely have exposure to Ridley. I think the biggest thing this does for me, Ian, Mm -hmm. is it just knocks off. It it just kind of knocks out the idea that, oh, my God, he's going to be rusty. He's yeah. not rusty. Like he looks great. I he, I don't think he's going to have a thirty percent target share this season. Like I don't think that's going to hold up. You got Christian Kirk. You got Zay Jones. You got. Ed, but I think he could get to twenty five percent. And if this Jaguars offense takes a step forward, I think twenty five percent is going to be a wide receiver one. So that that's the biggest thing for me is I see Ridley and I'm like, okay, there. This layoff means nothing. Like he is. He's totally worked through all that this preseason. Speaking of wide receiver. 30% plus preseason target shares. Elijah Moore, come on down. Yes, we are not seeing him all the time in two wide receiver sets. That does continue to be Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones. But Dwayne still, I believe, had like a 75% route rate. So it's not like we're looking at, you know, a Seattle situation in the past where we're seeing so much 12 personnel that it's, you know, making their slot receiver more uh, irrelevant out there. And honestly, man, as things go on, like the whole Jerome, and we can talk about uh, Pierre Strong Jr. being traded yeah. if we want, but like... Him being traded here, man, like that almost tells me that this Elijah Moore running back use of stuff could keep on keeping on because I am not at all concerned about Strong Jr. being the sort of pass down back to take that stuff away from Elijah. Now, when Jerome Ford, if and when, please, for the love of my freaking finances and family, Jerome Ford, get healthier sooner rather than later. Again, so even despite Moore not exactly having the same route rate as Donovan Peoples-Jones, if he keeps getting peppered with targets like this, Dwayne, it might not matter, especially if, and again, not to put too much stock in the preseason performance, but Deshaun Watson, man, looking really good in Arrowhead, looking far more like the guy we saw in Houston as opposed to last year. And it just reminded me a little bit of just the way Watson plays sometimes, almost like a point guard out there. And honestly, like there were stretches, and I'm, this is a role comparison, but you remember, man, like there were times where Kiki Cutie was just getting peppered with targets and those short underneath areas of the field. And it seems like Elijah Moore with his low A dot could be that guy. I definitely made some Kiki Cootie uh, waiver wire bids back in the day. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's a I safe space, got, man. It's okay. It's I've okay. definitely gotten those streets. Uh, yeah. So just looking at Elijah Moore, I think you kind of hit it. You talked about the running back role. I, I feel like what they're trying to do now, whether this will work out, very few players can do this, but I do feel like they're trying to put him in a Debo Samuel role. The other Ooh. thing we're seeing is this low a dot, the 3.8 a dot. That's what we see with Debo. But remember what happens. They've got Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco. He gets all the man, not all, he, but he leads the team in targets versus man coverage. Like he by far is their best man coverage guy. But when the opposing team goes zone, what do they do? They throw underneath the zone. And the player for that is Debo because he's the great yak guy. He basically is a running back. You're just getting it to him on the perimeter. And it seems like that's what they're trying to do with Elijah Moore here, putting him in motion a lot this preseason, lining him up in the backfield, giving him all these targets underneath zone coverage. Guys, 70% of the NFL's coverage is zone. If if he's in this role, he's going to have a boatload of targets. He's going to out-target Amari Cooper probably, even with even with less route participation. Now, that doesn't mean Amari won't be valuable, that you can't like get value out of Amari where he's going. What, what we're saying is, 
or at least what I'm saying, Ian, you can decide if you're saying this, is Elijah Moore is absolutely worth the price of admission when you're getting him in round eight of really competitive drafts. Um, I, I helped my son last night draft a team against like just, you know, you know, his, his buddies and stuff. I think Elijah Moore went like round 13, 12 oh it was an ESPN league. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, he's going even later over in those formats. So just a name to really keep in mind. He checks all the boxes we want. He's actually one of the only guys that go that late that check all the boxes we care about, which is number one, have they ever shown us for at least some period that they have wide receiver one upside. He did that as a rookie, his final seven games before he got hurt again. I think you've even mentioned that he was the wide receiver three over a stretch of like seven games. Maybe you said it was wide receiver five. I can't remember. So he's already shown it to us. He plays with a quarterback that we've already seen is really, I mean, he's capable of supporting multiple high-end weapons. So even if Amari goes off, he's capable of supporting Elijah Moore. So when you get to that late spot in the draft, you're like, okay, an offense that says they're going to throw the ball more, everything we're seeing this preseason is matching up with that. A good player that's shown a ceiling, had a bad last season. We can't erase last season. It was terrible for him. But once you get that late and you look around, there are not other names that can check the same box as Elijah Moore can. So I think he's an absolute smash. Wide receiver 44 right now on underdog. Like that's, in my opinion, I think that's too cheap. Um, I think also... Probably be an 11 personnel 75 to 80% of the time. Like, I think that's how they're going to run their offense this year. I mean, they, we've already heard this is not going to be like your grandpappy Stefanski offense. We're not going to see two tight ends and the fullback and all that stuff all the time. They're going to open things up this year. And I think that also uh, helps more, even if he's out there for like 75 to 80% of the routes, instead of like, we'd love him to be at like 85, 90%. Um, and then if he picks up a few carries in, like, I just, yeah, I, I think Elijah Moore is a, a great pick. Even if he busts, like the process behind taking him, he checks all the boxes. Like just you're, you're looking for that elite upside and you shouldn't be able to find it that late in some of these drafts. Process was right. He called out as his wife and kids packed <laughs> their last few remaining possessions into the car and drove away. No, man, I, I did two best ball manias earlier today and I did the, you know, just it's every single time it feels so good. Watson round seven, Elijah in round eight. Profit, hopefully, later. But the bigger thing here, too, and again, I do want Elijah Moore from that group more times than not, but like Dwayne, right now, the wide receiver 40 to wide receiver 48. Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston, Brandon Cooks, Cortland Sutton, Elijah Moore, Sky Moore, Michael Thomas, Rashad Bateman, and Traylon Burks. Honestly, I think I probably prefer Elijah to all those guys there, but the bigger point is that is where the cliff happens. Because yeah. after that, we're starting to talk about the Tyler Boyds, the Kadarius Tonys, the Romeo Dobbs, the Juju Smith-Schusters of the world. Not saying they can't work out, but again, Dwayne, I just feel like it's such a big drop-off in potential. I love drafts where I can get at least four, preferably five wide receivers inside that top 48. Yeah target share this preseason with Deshaun again small sample but it's all we have to go off of in addition to all the other things we just told you about Elijah Moore which are all good so these are all positives things are looking really good for Elijah Moore I don't think we have to worry about a freaking Jeff Smith coming in and taking away his routes this year in uh, <laughs> Cleveland Dwayne. I knew you'd find a way you got to get Jeff Smith in, into the conversation <laughs> Gotta get one. Gotta get one. All right, Dwayne, another, uh, you know, not another, but Green Bay Packer preseason riser. Talking about Luke Musgrave with some borderline erotic utilization numbers here. 80%, 80% plus route participation and a 22% target share. Now, just 37 dropbacks, but it was enough for Dwayne to dub Musgrave as his, the late round type of 2023. 
Now, he is going pick 165. You do have to take him over guys, though, Dwayne, like Tajay Spears, Jaden Reed, Kendra Miller, and Kareem Hunt. So I'm just curious in terms of your overall like tight end selection, because I know when we've been doing drafts together, if we're not getting a Waller, my God, Waller and Andrews, I, I can't get over that draft. It was magical people. Should have been there. But if we're not getting one of these top seven tight ends, I've been turning my attention to Frymouth and Najoku every now and then Evan Ingram, but I'm usually taking those guys ahead of him. To me, that's the big tier drop off. I don't want to mess around with tight ends after that. And when I get someone in those top 10 tight ends, I usually don't feel a big need to go ahead and add a second one. Tight end premium scoring can change everything. So with Musgrave, is it more so like the right league you want to use a late round pick on him? Or is he just actually change your tight end strategy to, hey, you know, screw these early round ones where we can get Luke Musgrave in round 13 or well, you just don't know how things are going to go in your draft. So again, um, shout out Camden and his draft last night. We had his draft board all set up. I was I had it where it would refresh. I could see who he was taking. And, uh, you know, he was just smashing. Like, he was destroying this draft. But everybody took their second quarterback, like, early. Everybody took their second tight end early. So he actually got boxed out of that group we wanted. No. But, but he did it for the right reason. Like he's sitting there and he could take Sam Laporta and he's like, Gabe Davis is still on the board. I was like, what do you think you should do? He's like, I should take Gabe Davis. I was like, you're damn right. You should take Gabe (laughs) Davis. Like freaking screw Sam Laporta. And so it just expands that tier. We love Sam Laporta guys. Like I I like Sam Laporta over Musgrave to be clear. Both are going to be really good from a route utilization. It looks like this year, Sam Laporta was the better prospect though, right? He's, he's got a better target earning prospect from college. He graded out higher in our supermodel. So we like Laporta, but I do think now, You've got a tier just below that, Ian, that really is your break glass in case of emergency. You don't want to go past this tier. And I think it's separated itself from the dull such as even Oconquo, who's getting like 60, 65% route participation. You could argue Oconquo belongs to like in the bottom of this tier just because he was so talented last year. So let's just throw him in. But I think that's the tier now is you've got Tyler Higby. And so this is to what you just said. Once Ingram and Joku, those guys are gone. That tier is gone. Then I think you have one more break glass in case of emergency because you want some sort of upside with these guys. And I do think this Tyler Higby, Sam Laporta, Musgrave, and Chigo Conquo. And so Camden going, in that draft. On. Keep going. And that in that draft yesterday, he took he did take two. It's a 16 team league, but he took uh Chig and Musgrave with his uh second to last two picks. His obviously kicker and defense were the very last two picks. But I was like, you know, on this team, like, just take both of them and, let you know, you can see what happens. Like, in week one and two, see if one of them breaks out. If not, you work the waiver wire. But I think that is now the your, your, your backup backup plan um, is, is that group. More tight ends you wanted to add to that group? Not a single one? Nope. Well, okay. Sorry. Do we? Do I need to add Gerald Everett by legal obligation? Or, I'd appreciate or if you did, Dwayne. Are you trying to say Dalton Schultz? Are okay. You trying to ask okay. me why Dalton Schultz is not in there? I am not asking you about Dalton. I don't Schultz know what you're going yet. With Gerald Everett, if he has an 80 percent route participation in Week One, would he be in that tier for you? Oh yeah. Great. Yeah. The problem is he just he's going to he have it, baby. Yeah. Well, let's. I hope he does, man. If he gets there, they throw enough. They're probably going to throw more than anyone else in the league. So even though you have target competition, that puts him in play. So yeah, mm. if, if Gerald Everett gets there, he can join our group. Um, if you could find that out from him ahead of time, we can put him in the tier while people are still drafting. Please just hit him up, Ian. Hit him up. Just hit You're, up Gerald. See what's you've up. been nothing but positive. Gerald's probably happy to respond to you. Bull call. Eight plus touchdowns for Gerald Everett year. Everyone this year. Can't wait. Can't wait to see that happen, Dwayne. Can't wait. 
Damian Pierce, absolutely dominating first team usage. And I will say this, two guys that as I've been doing redraft uh, in particular more and more here over the weeks uh, versus best ball, Damian Pierce and Rashad Bateman, who we're not going to talk about, but I just continuously find them still being at spots in the draft that I am very willing to take them. So Damian Pierce, Dwayne, could he be this year's version of Josh Jacobs? The running back perceived to be a bit in the dead zone, but we know is talented and rides that every down workhorse role to a legit upside RB1 finish. I think it's in play. Yeah, I do think it's well, um, Pierce, I moved him up last week in the ranks and I was, I've already been looking at it because I, I do this utilization work first. Then I do my projection work. Then I do my ranks work. Um, because I know, you know, most of you guys are going to be drafting again next weekend, but I'll, I'll have the ranks updated here in the next couple of days, but I'm going through my process and man, like I'm looking at it already and I'm like, like how far, how much more can I move Pierce? Like <laughs> I want to be careful because it's the Texans offense, but the main thing that has me like down you know, with going with Pierce is the fact that we're seeing him with a 67% route participation. The concern was what if Devin Singletary is coming over to take over passing down work? And if you're in an offense that does struggle and you don't have the passing downs and you can't pick up those sweet receptions to help you out and have PPR and PPR and guys, we're not saying he's going to suddenly be a target magnet, but like just being out there for the routes, you just, by nature, you pick up free fantasy points. And so you need that if the offense struggles and we're seeing him get that work. It's kind of back to the conversation we had around ETN. We're not seeing Singletary take over a specific high leverage component of this work. It's really Singletary's just spelling him like every third drive. So it does look like Pierce is the clear 1A. He is distancing. Again, small sample. Things could change. But when you piece it all together, Devin Singletary's never been a good passing down back. Like he's had one good season as a blocker. He's been really subpar across the board. That's not like if you were going to sign Devin Singletary, like as a GM and you're like, man, what are we going to do with this guy? Like your first thing wouldn't be, he's our passing down back. And like, if you did, like you just like, aren't paying attention to like anything about Devin Singletary. So I think he's really just going to be more of the, you know, Hey, give him some relief on the early down work. Um, like maybe every third or fourth drive, which is really huge for Pierce. And to your point, not just this utilization, util, utilization, but Damian Pierce was really good last year on the ground. One of PFF's top graded rushers. Also, like his uh, missed tackles force was one of the best in the league. Yards after contact were great. Explosive rushes a little bit below the league average. Um, but I also like this offensive line, Ian. Like this offensive line, I keep looking at it. I'm like, man, like this, this might be one of the better offensive lines in the league. Like they've really reworked that front five over the last few years. They've got a lot of talent up front. And we know that we have a defensive-minded head coach coming over from the 49ers. I could see them really leaning on Damian Pierce. Really did do a good job investing in that unit up front. Hopefully, again, cause things just to be a little bit easier for Damian Pierce. Texans ranked dead last in yards before contact per carry last season. Helps, though, when you got Damian Pierce forcing more missed tackles per touch since freaking Marshawn Lynch back in 2014. So yeah, Damian Pierce, again, not always going into the middle rounds to get a running back. There are situations where we can start off with, you know, maybe a Bijan and then like a Nick Trubb or Austin Eckler. Hey, if I have too early, Dwayne, like I'm perfectly fine waiting until we kind of get in the RB3 range. But as we've talked about, harder and harder to get that anchor and that superhero RB start sometimes. So if you are going zero RB, definitely think someone like Damian Pierce really sticks I'm more- out. I'm also more willing to mix Pierce in if I have a flex spot as my third back. Like he's in the group now that I will draft in those middle rounds, even if I already have two. You and I did a few builds like that. Actually, you know, over the last 
several days. Like we've mixed Pearson, I think, as our RB3 or RB2 a couple of times. When we don't have so, the three starting wide receiver spots, it definitely makes it more appealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So I, I like Pierce a lot. I, I'm still trying to decide how far we move him up. How far I'm going to move him up. But I definitely, I think he has top 12 upside. With this passing down roll, if it sticks. And look, last year I know he didn't earn a ton of targets. He didn't have any targets this preseason. But he was a good target earner in college. Not great. But this is a guy that actually showed us that he could do this in college. Last year, he was at 10%. So if he's out there for 65% of the routes, 60% of the routes, and he gets a 10% target share, a 12% target share, is it going to like, this is, we're not talking Marshall Falk here, folks, but we are talking like, you know, 60, 70 targets potentially on an offense that trails a lot. 80% of those are going to be caught, you know, so you could have a 13, 1400 yard rusher and you could be picking up 50 receptions to go with it. And then whatever he does, that's, that's typically going to get you a top 12 running back finish, even if you don't score a ton of touchdowns, even if you only score like seven or eight. So I, I think there's a lot to like about Pierce. Moving right along, Bill's rookie tight end one, Dalton Kincaid, 71% route rate, Dwayne, even with Dawson Knox being back. So we did see them rotating personnel a good bit. You know, they have their calling 11 and a half personnel and all this stuff about them making Kincaid out to be basically a wide receiver and then just to inevitably pay him like a tight end his entire career is so ridiculous how it's like seeing this massive positive right now and it's like yeah man you play wide receiver I basically play wide receiver you play wide receiver great can you pay me like a wide receiver absolutely not you're a tight end like that's how it's gonna go with Kincaid and the Bills in four years mark my words but just focusing on 2023 certainly seems like good news for his fantasy football stock Dwayne which is certainly all we care about love when we can get the fact that wide receivers slotted as tight ends in fantasy football uh but obviously 71 percent route rate a little bit lower than that 80 percent mark we prefer to see but Dwayne, as you pointed out over on the old twitter sphere and the buffalo bills pass happy offense 71 percent should be just fine yeah like seven on a pass happy offense is like 80 percent on a balanced offense it, it would be oh. like getting it would be like george kittle getting 90 percent with the 49ers <laughs> like with how much they run the ball. Um, so yeah, like all of these things are, uh, you got to kind of adjust for like the environment, you know, that they're in, but I think this is going to be fine. I thought this was really positive. I was kind of worried when I was seeing the first reports that were coming out about how the drives were playing out. And like you mentioned, like with the one and a half personnel, I thought that was so great. Like Josh Norris had some really good tweets on it, but like yeah. once I was able to really dig into it, um, that 71% is he was at 70% last year or last week, sorry, without Dawson Knox. And he was at 70% with Dawson Knox back. So I think that's a positive. Again, a small sample, guys. We had one drive with Josh Allen and the starters for this game. Like, so this could really, it could really go the opposite way. We, we, we could be staring at a situation where early in the season, like Kincaid's in a 50, 60% range, but just like threading it all together so far, all the things we've heard from training camp about how much they want to keep him, you know, in the slot. The fact that they don't really have a great slot receiver. Deontay Hardy has stepped up. But like, I think the fact that Shakir, none of these other guys have stepped up and said, hey, like we're going to dominate these slot reps. I think that helps Kincaid have a path to being on the field. I think the other thing is Dawson Knox just hasn't been a great tight end. He's been an average tight end for his career. Yes, they paid him. But remember, guys, they pay tight ends for more reasons than just catching the football. As far as when it comes to throwing the ball you know, to a tight end, I do think that Kincaid is the favorite. I also do think that you know, there's a chance like he – battles Gabe Davis for targets and that's enough to make him worth where he's going in drafts I would put him ahead of the group that we just talked about with even though Musgrave and Laporta we know like what 
we feel better about their roles. Kincaid was the best talent prospect coming out, and he's in the best offense with the best quarterback. And if you do get it right, like he's the one that if we had to pick any one of those guys we've talked about, we're like, hey, you got a Girl Scout sauntering to the door. You have to pick the one guy that has the best chance to finish as the tight end four out of that whole group. It's it's Kincaid. Like the floor could go wrong for you, but the ceiling is still there for Kincaid. And I, I think overall what we've seen in the preseason is encouraging enough to keep him where he's going, which is like tight end 11, tight end 12 in fantasy drafts. So after the top 10 tight ends, Ingram, Frymouth, and Joker were gone. Dalton Kincaid, tight end 11, come on down. Yeah, I think so. I think actually he kind of gets his own little mini tier. If you want, you can put him in the next tier with the other guys we talked about. But I just feel because his upside, his ceiling in that offense is significantly higher because we don't know for sure about Jordan Love, right? We don't, like Jared Goff, we like, we've seen him support things, but Jared Goff has also had good years and then crappy ones. You know, Josh Allen's just been a badass for three straight years. Like we know (laughs) what the Bills offense is going to be. So I think once you factor those things in, you got to have Kincaid above, even though we have a little more uncertainty with the role. I think 80 targets from Josh Allen over 150 from CJ Stroud. Not 150, but you guys know what I'm saying. Just got to get a little Schultz. Yeah, like 145. 145, of course, because that's realistic. Uh, with Deontay Hardy, again, it does seem like he is emerging as, you know, the leader in the slot. We do still have Trent Sherfield there. Um, shout out Joe Biscalgia over at The Athletic. He actually did their, you know, just roster cut ex- expectation. And, you know, according to Joe, there is a top four forming within the wide receiver room with Khalil Shakir being the odd man out. Know that Diggs and Davis are obvious, but Sherfield can play at any receiver spot. Uh, Hardy emerged as a better receiver than Shakur so while we do have again this most recent data point on Hardy which is good Dwayne I mean again he put up some ridiculous efficiency numbers two years ago in that Saints offense you know Rashid Shahid before Rashid Shahid became a thing pretty much in New Orleans but you know enough for you to move the needle on any sort of going out of our way and drafting Hardy because I will say you know this time last year we were talking up a lot of Isaiah McKenzie now we didn't have Dalton Kincaid probably being the more likely candidate to be the starting slot there but overall thoughts on hardy to me it's more of like a round 18 best ball maybe yes. like around 20 redraft thing okay round shares and in, in deep leagues where you're drafting 18 to 20 plus rounds that i think you know you can get hardy in the mix you, you are still betting on a good offense and to your point even though it's on a small sample a player that does he's popped historically not just one year multiple years and the things that you know can be a signal for the future. It can be tough when they're on such a small sample, but yards per route run, all those sort of things have always really been in Deontay Hardy's back pocket. Like back yeah. even when he was Deontay Harris, he was doing this stuff. <laughs> now he's Deontay Hardy, he's still rolling hard. Um, so yeah, I think he's worth you know that late late pick. I, I look at him, they want him to play that Isaiah McKenzie role, a speed guy that if you get in man coverage somehow and they get him on a linebacker or a safety, like he's going to be wide open on that drag route. You know, you, you saw the... You saw uh, McKenzie do this to the Patriots a couple of times because the Patriots run a lot of man and they would just get them stuck and you'd be watching the slow linebacker trying to run across the field with Isaiah McKenzie and like Josh Allen would immediately see it. And those are the plays where you'd see McKenzie catch the ball, turn it up the field for 60. So I think he's going to play that same kind of role. We'll see, like they've had a history of rotating these guys, but if his talent is good enough, I think there is a chance that Hardy actually gets to a route participation rate that Maybe we never saw McKenzie get to. That was always the challenge for McKenzie. Like, we just never would see week after week him having a shot at 70, 75%. I do think his biggest competition is Dalton Kincaid. More running back situations to talk about. One in Chicago between Justin Fields and DJ Moore making plays all over the place. 
We did see Khalil Herbert the first week work as the undisputed starter, took every single snap alongside Fields in his only two drives. Got the second week off, rested with the starters while Roshan and Foreman played, so you love seeing that. Third week, we did continue to see him to work as the lead early down back, drives one and two. Did see Roshan Johnson come in on both third downs, and then Deontay Foreman got the third drive. So not a guarantee here that that's going to be for sure what they're going to do in week one. But at the end of the day, Dwayne, Khalil Herbert, clear lead running back in Chicago, albeit does certainly seem like a group that will keep all three guys involved. And in this offense with Fields running around, as we know, we've talked about this a million times, Ravens, Bills, and, you know, Eagles and all that, not exactly matters for all these guys with how much he personally is scrambling and then running near the goal line as well so overall thoughts on Herbert and just where he kind of fits in uh, for you in the ranks does seem like that mid-tier of the RB3 is warranted and hey I mean that's a nice bump up from just RB4 kind of wasteland that he was before we knew any of this just probably want to get too carried away with expectations though because again I do think Foreman and Roshan are going to maintain involvement as well yeah I think with Herbert you know, the big thing is we've already seen him play so well on a limited sample for two years. So anytime we get this kind of positive momentum going for a player like that, we definitely want to buy in to your point. I think you want to make sure you temper expectations some. So number one, like he's got 67% of the rushing attempts this preseason that won't stick just because Justin Fields is going to get a bunch of those. They're not running Justin Fields on a bunch of design runs in the preseason. They don't want their quarterback to get hurt, but I promise you come week one, Justin Fields is going to take 20 to 25% of the rushing attempts by himself. So that's immediately going to cut down what we just talked about with Herbert. We're going to be hoping for 40 to 50% of the team's rushing attempts. And then to your point, you still got to give away like you got to leave enough there right, that you're giving to Deonta Foreman. So if if Fields is at 25%, you know, Herbert's at 45%, then the other 30% essentially splits between Foreman and Roshan. I do think Foreman will be the lead guy, uh, is the handcuff to have for Herbert early in the season. I think Roshan is doing what we had heard from the beat reporters, so it's nice when these things line up, which he's now starting to take some of the passing down work that had not happened in the previous couple of preseason games. They had really let Herbert and Foreman take those snaps. So it does seem like, they're considering three roles here for these guys. I will say, I don't think the passing down role is going to be worth a whole lot in Chicago, right? Now, Roshan, where his value comes in is, can he start to carve out more work as the season goes? But I do think it's tough to just completely count out Deonta Foreman. He was pretty good last season. Um, you know, he was the better collegiate prospect than Roshan Johnson. It's hard to say Roshan got, you know, came to Texas and then Bijan comes like, you know, Sometimes you just get unlucky. Roshan was a really good prospect coming out of college in, in his own right. But I think right now, like looking at it, I don't think you're going to get anything from Roshan early in the season. I think you'll need patience. So if you're playing in a shallow league, not as excited about drafting Roshan right now. If I'm playing in a deep roster league where I know there's running backs just don't sit on the wire, then I'm more willing with Roshan. And best ball, where you don't got to worry about when it happens, it just eventually happens. I think the thesis is still there to buy into the young running back. But just remember, guys, this is a round four pick. It's not a round two pick. It's not a round three pick. Pick. Not every rookie running back that's a round four pick hits. In fact, most of them don't. So you just got to keep that in mind. But I do think Khalil Herbert is clearly distancing, and you should take him as, I think he's high-end RB3 material now, and he could give you RB2 upside. You're going to get some RB1 spike weeks because the guy's just super explosive. But I think, you know, uh, all the comments you made, like, are, like, legit. Like, you got you to gotta know that these other guys are still going to be involved. And Herbert over both Washington running backs either? Yes. Ooh, Just because of the talent, man. 
It's it is close with them. I want to say in a PPR. Uh, let me think. Like in a PPR, I might still take Gibson. That's the tier. In a, in, in sure. a standard league, I'm taking Herbert over both. Half PPR. I don't know. That's where it gets. That's really close. That's really close between Herbert uh, and and Gibson. Because I like Robinson a little better than Gibson in standard, but not by much because their their utilization has been so close. Herbert was so freaking good, man. No one averaged an explosive thing, run man. more frequently. Next-gen yeah, stats, it's... number one running back, rushing yards above expectation. And, Dwayne, again, the numbers that you showed are utilization-wise, like, that's good. It's, it's good. When we've seen Montgomery miss time, man, five games, 89% snap rates, 84%, 60%, 70%, 77%, excuse me. There is a chance that Herbert's role is even bigger than what we're seeing yes. out here in the preseason right now. We could these other two guys that's also yeah. in the range of outcomes we can't ever just assume we know everything so like when i plot out herbert's like range the median expects him to be giving away part of his work to you know uh deonta foreman and i also mm. give some of it to roshan because i know at some point in the year like roshan's going to have a shot to be involved probably but whenever you look at the ceiling end of the outcomes there is a chance that it's really just more justin fields plus what we would get with Khalil Herbert and just a dash of one of the other guys. And it's not three involved. That's less likely than the median outcome. But if that does happen with how good he's been and all the great run design stuff that you get with a running quarterback like Justin Herbert that every defense is scared to death of, we've seen this for years now with Lamar Jackson, and you talk about it all the time. Like, you're like, dude, Gus Edwards averages five yards per carry for his career. Part of that is it's due to the offense that he gets to play bit, in. So yeah, like Khalil Herbert, man, like it, it could be it could be really good. Like, and there is a chance that it hits that way. How dare you imply that Gus Evers doesn't have the natural talent of Bo Jackson or Jamal Charles <laughs> or the other freaking only running backs ever averaging that much yards per carry? But no, it, it is a good point. Honestly, before you know, we just kind of talked it out right there. I probably would have preferred the Washington backs, but like Gibson and Brian Robinson, they aren't taking over that backfield unless someone gets hurt. Herbert could just take it over, and it's like, okay, yeah, he's the best running back here by far. Have a nice seat on the bench, Foreman and Roshan Johnson. So, same thing for uh, versus Zach Charbonnet. Yeah, no, I've got him yeah. ahead of Charbonnet now. I think so. I think, um, so to your point, you need an injury for one of the other guys. Like I think Antonio Gibson probably has the best ceiling. Like if Brian Robinson got hurt yeah. right now, we don't know for sure. Chris Rodriguez, the rookie, uh, out of West Virginia, he, maybe he takes over Brian Robinson's role, right? Yeah. If, if Brian Robinson gets hurt, um, people are like, oh, he's a late round pick. Well, Brian Robinson was a round four pick, you know? So I no, mean, he was, uh, three. he was three. Was he three round three? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, command. Yeah, you're right. Out of, uh, from Alabama. So commanders like, I don't know for sure what they would do, but I do think like in that scenario in a PPR, like Gibson could be like off the chain, you yeah. know, cause he, he, we already know he can do the passing down work. Now all of a sudden, if he got that early down work back in, an, in a commander's offense, that suddenly is looking a little more appealing than what we thought it might, you know, when we started talking about him like four or five months ago. So I think Gibson, like if he just ran pure, probably still number one, but to your point, most likely ceiling is probably Khalil Herbert because he could just really bury the other two guys. I think he has a better shot of that than Antonio Gibson over Brian Robinson. And, and maybe I'm wrong on that. It, maybe that's closer than what we think. But yeah, I do think that ceiling case for Herbert, just as far as like having access to it without a bunch of crazy stuff is, is really nice. 
Speaking of Washington, uh, we are doing these live from now on, everybody. So make sure you tune in with us in the chat throughout the season. Definitely want to make more of an effort to get you guys personal questions, do some start sits at the end of episodes and things of that nature. We did have Trey Trey earlier wondering, Dwayne, if uh, I'm recording here with Mr. Sam Howell, because you two do seem to look quite a bit alike, but you've been, you know, adamant that Sam Howell needs to step his hair game up if he's going to be compared to you, Mr. McFarlane. Yeah, he has a great helmet head of hair, like for just pulling a helmet off. But then I see him in, in the in the shots where it looks like, you know, he maybe he wore a helmet just before the shot on purpose because <laughs> that's how he wants his hair to look. Hey, he's going to have to step it up, man. He's going to have to get the comb going. Uh, like He's got the hair there to do it, you know, for <laughs> sure. Uh, and, you know, he's got a much more muscular neck and traps. So, like, he would have the better headshot than me by far. He's just going to have to, you know, break the comb out. One more running back situation really want to dive into, and that is Bill's RB, James Cook, another just big-time riser up the ranks, and for good reason. Again, I mentioned uh, Joe Biscalgia, ace Bill's beat report, but one of the things he wrote within the last week is just how the Bills believe Cook has three-down potential and that he's improved in some of his power running and as a blocker. Conservatively, I'd expect Cook to be on the field for at least 55% of the offensive snaps this year, and Joe noted that he would be taking the over on that. So on the one hand, Dwayne, you know, I, I kind of tweeted this out, and people were like, isn't that like backwards? Like, what are you saying? He's a three-down back, but he's only playing 55% of the snaps. When you have a back like James Cook, Dwayne, who is an explosive pass-catching talent, we don't necessarily need that much more than 55, 60% of the snaps out there. In 2023, it's so rare to find anybody, you know, going over 70 or 80% to begin with. So we really do have to make the do with what we have out there. And if we're going to have a guy that, again, has the ability to overcome some of the potential vulture issues at the goal line from Damian Harris, they better be able to catch the ball and they better be able to create big plays out of nothing. James Cook can do both those things. Yeah, I, I think obviously Harris that, you know, he's a good, tough runner inside the tackles. And we really had him projected to get most of the carries inside the five yard line. That's what played out this last weekend. The thing with Cook is, you know, the thesis behind him has really been even at ADP, if Damian Harris gets that role inside the five yard line, which he's not going to get all of it, guys. It's not going to be like every time they get down there, Damian Harris gets it. Obviously, Josh Allen's going to poach some of them himself. James Cook is still going to get some carries. Um, but the idea being in this offense, even if Damian Harris has that role, James Cook can pay off ADP. And we've got to be open to the fact that like things can just evolve as the season goes along. Like Damian Harris is a guy that's not been able to stay healthy. Um, now, I know they've got Latavius Murray is kind of that backup archetype for what Damian Harris does. But all we can do is, in my opinion, like if you look at this third preseason game, even though Damian Harris was available, we still saw James Cook overall dominate, right? 74% yeah. of the snaps, 83% of the rushing attempts. Uh, yeah, Harris got that carry inside the five-yard line, but James Cook had a 17% target share. <laughs> so, I mean, he's picking up things in other areas, and I don't think we should completely ruling at, rule him out from having some of that role inside the five-yard line. And I get it. People are like, oh, 190 pounds. Well, what does James Cook really weigh now? These guys get, like, they do gain weight, like, as they go. Austin Eckler didn't even weigh 200 pounds. Look at him now. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey was, like, 205 when he first got to the league. Look at him now. Like, these guys do put on muscle. We're not saying James Cook is going to suddenly be a 210-pound, 210 like, beast or something. But I think, you know, 195, 200 could be in his range of outcomes as far as how big he gets. And we saw Jamal Charles live at that weight and be a really good player, um, even between the tackles. So you got to... You got to kind of remember there's a, there's a range here. I would not put a hard cap on James Cook saying, oh my God, there's no way Damian Harris doesn't get all of this work because I think it really will end up still being some of it going to Cook. 
Harris being the primary guy when healthy. So I, I even though Cook's rising, I think he's still worth it at ADP, right? He's he was around eight pick. Now he's around seven pick. You see him creep into round six. I still think he's worth ADP in PPR formats. In standard formats, I think you got to be a little, just a tad more leery with James Cook because he doesn't have as many outs in that format because the receptions aren't going to help you. He literally weighed in at the 199 pounds. I don't even know if we'd be having this conversation if he just ate one extra cheeseburger before that morning and got to hit that magical 200 pound number, Dwayne. He probably is over 200 pounds at this point if he's put on any level of muscle. So yes, James Cook's still someone for me that, again, round six, Dwayne, if he's there, like him and Damian Pierce, I think we can agree those guys are emerging yes. as our two favorite mid-round backs. For sure. And he's and this does not do anything to make me back off of Cook. No. Because even when we saw him getting this elite utilization over the first couple of weeks, and we were to, week two in the preseason, we were tweeting about it. Like I went and checked like my projections, I didn't change them much. Like when I go look at what I have right now for James Cook, and this is what should make you feel comfortable about taking him. I've only got James Cook right now, Ian projected for 38% of the Bills rushing attempts. He could easily beat that. I'm yeah. I'm being I've got him out there for 57% of the routes. He's been better than that so far. He could easily be 65%, which would be elite. Um, I got his targets per route run less than they were last year. They were 26% last year. I got his targets per route run at 21%. And in a PPR, that still comes out to 14.7 points per game for James Cook. If, If he got a bigger role, if it was more in line with what we've seen this preseason, let's just say his rushing attempts go to 50%. I'm updating the model right now. Let's say he did get to 65% route participation, which would you know really be elite. Then now we'd be talking about a player that jumps to 17.8 points per game just by moving him from 38% of the rushing attempts to 50% and moving his route participation up to 65%. So the ceiling is still absolutely there. That's only given him six rushing touchdowns, Ian. I've got him at 3.2% rushing touchdowns per attempt, which is the league average. Some running backs, I will take a little higher than that, but I don't think James Cook deserves that. So I've just got him. At, I, I, we're not saying he's going to score 12 rushing touchdowns. That's six. That still has Damian Pierce or Damian Harris coming in and stealing five rushing touchdowns on the season. And I've got Damian Harris at 35% of the rushing attempts, which sidebar, he shouldn't be going and pick 140, 150. He should be yeah. going around where Raj, Rashad Penny goes. He should be going around where Jamal Williams goes. Like he's in that tier. He fell that much because he was injured. The idea that Latavius Murray could beat him out. Well, he's not injured anymore. And as we just saw, Latavius Murray is not taking away his snaps with the first team offense. So, yeah, I mean, I remember a couple of weeks ago, Dame, uh, Dwayne, I was wrong in saying that we shouldn't be drafting Dame where we were, but we have rectified that here in some of our more recent. Yeah, drafts, yeah I think so. you got on me and you said, I didn't really Damian Harris truther. And I'm like, I just think he's fallen too far based on the injuries. <laughs> And no, it is a good point. Like if you are going to be drafting in early, mid-August or just all around the calendar, like, you know, a lot of us sickos out there definitely should be more than willing to play that injury game. Because if not, like why are you dra not drafting just every single time the two weeks before the season anyway? So good stuff there. Last one we're going to spend, you know, any notable amount of time on is going to be on Dwayne, your favorite wide receiver in the entire NFL. I, um, I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Adam Thielen, though, just someone that, again, based on what we're seeing out there as a full-time player in an offense with all sorts of targets available you could wrap your mind around him having some nice spot starts to start the season so Dwayne I understand your 
reasoning on this. You're saying if you have a lineup with a lot of rookie receivers who you probably can't trust in week one and week two, wouldn't it be surprising to see Thielen pop and actually be someone maybe you can rely on in the early weeks of the season? I guess my only counter is like, again, if we are doing a normal roster construction build where we want five of those top 48 receivers or so inside the first nine rounds, Outside of like these 14 team leagues with three flexes and stuff, I just really struggle to imagine a scenario where I am just even starting Thielen in those first couple of weeks in the first place. So talk about your allure with Thielen. I'm not going to come at you too hard because he's outside the top 150 picks. So any big time arguments about players going that late, you can probably just chill out. But like at the end of the day right now, like Mingo is still cheaper than Adam Thielen. And I'm taking Mingo over Thielen every single chance I get is the same truth. Yeah, no, Mingo's like one of my most, actually might be my most drafted player, period, at this point. Ooh. Like, So Mingo's got a 20% target share with Bryce Young. If this offense completely pops off long-term for the season, it's going to be about Mingo going nuts with Bryce Young, in my opinion. Um, but having said that, I do think, you know, I just, I wanted to make sure I adjusted my priors because I'd come out very early in the preseason and said, look, Adam Thielen, I'm never going to draft him, you know, and people see that stuff. And I said, because I can draft him in round 18 and his name is Robert Woods. You still okay? can't so, You still can't. Yeah, you can. And and yeah, so Robert Woods is still fine. But Adam Thielen is at least doing things this preseason with his starting quarterback that Robert Woods isn't sniffing, right? So Thielen, like 35% target share, seven drives with Bryce Young. I do think he could come in handy in deeper leagues, to your point. Um, let's say you drafted Quentin Johnston or you, gra- or you grabbed Jamison Williams. Um, or you've got, uh, you know, Kadarius Tony. Maybe you have some mix of these players because of the way the draft broke, you waited a little bit at wide receiver. Some of those guys where you have question marks, I won't be surprised if he, if Thielen doesn't really come out of the gate hot. In fact, I would I would bet like he's going to be their top guy for like the first four to six weeks until age potentially catches up, saps some of that injury. You know, I mean, some of that you know juice injuries can occur. That's something Thielen's had to battle over the last several years as we get older. You know, like when I go off and take off on a run, Ian, I got to walk for a few minutes first, or I'll like tighten up a hammy, just like going <laughs> on my jog in the afternoon. Cause I'm just freaking old now. Um, so I, I think that's the scenario for Thielen and maybe he can string it together for a year. I don't think we can hundred percent with any scenario, right. Say that it's out of the picture. I do just wonder with Thielen, if a lot of this really comes back to, he just ended up getting paired up later in his career with a complete alpha. I mean, sometimes you're a good player and all of a sudden you look across from you like, oh, there's Justin Jefferson. And guess what Kirk Cousins says every time he drops back? Oh, there's Justin Jefferson. <laughs> there's not a lot you can freaking do about it um, when you got a guy like that that can demand, you know, 30% target shares, 40% like at a uh, in certain games, you know, that can be really problematic. So I do think with Thielen, health and not having to compete, you know, with Justin Jefferson could lead to like this early season kind of boom for him. And the other thing you can do is trade him. If he pops off in the first three or four games, maybe you get to use him a couple times, but you can trade a guy like Adam Thielen, you know, to someone else and you can get out from under that. And, you know, maybe you use him to sweeten a deal to like upgrade your tight end or do something else on your roster. So that's the other thing I like about um, guys like Thielen. Um, They can give you that early season trade value because you're going to find someone else in your league that's hurting. They don't have a wide receiver three to put in their wide receiver three spot or their flex spot sucks. And they just see, wow, Thielen's averaging 15.5 points per game through the first three. Like, they're going to buy into that. You know, they're going to want to buy into that. So that's the other potential helpful thing that if you take Thielen. And again, to your point, don't start reaching for Adam Thielen. I did move him up my ranks already. He's inside my top 150 now. 
but he's not like some guy I have anywhere close to like my top 100. Um, so just, you know, keep that in mind. Does give you a lot of late round fantasy name options. Discount that, Dwayne. Thielen lucky, more than a Thielen, hooked on a Thielen. You got <laughs> options out there. And, you know, when you're in the later stages of drafts, you got to go ahead and try to get some sort of extra value there. Bring but, some Neil Diamond for us, Ian. Hooked <laughs> oh on God, a Thielen. No. Do it. Do it. Come on. Uh, I was not blessed with uh, the vocal cords that you have demonstrated before, uh, Mr. McFarland. One of these days, uh, hey, if we, we take down one of these attorneys, the guitar and that voice is coming on the podcast. So <laughs> we got to look forward that. to that, everyone. All right, Dwayne, some quicker notes here. Michael Pittman, definitely the Colts wide receiver one, dominating target share. But as we might have had our concerns about, targets aren't necessarily going to be the most accurate in year one of the Anthony Richardson experience. So. He's overly expensive at this point. I mean, going right alongside Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Jackson Smith, and the Jigba. Anything you've seen over the last month changing your opinion on Michael Pittman as someone you're not really coming away with in many drafts? I just have a hard time ceiling case for him, even though his ADP has fallen. All those other names, I can see a scenario where at the end of the year, like maybe they're winning my league, right? Mm -hmm. um, but with Pittman, he's going to be the clear target. He's a good player, guys. Like Michael Pittman's a talented wide receiver. We're not saying that he's not. The situation is just going to be tough this year. Uh, he has a 29% target share with Anthony Richardson um, this preseason, but only 50% of his targets have been catchable. This is a guy that's caught 70% of his targets over like the last three years. <laughs> so that's going to be a big downgrade for him. He also is not a guy that's a big play threat, right? So he's really more of a possession type receiver. Like Michael Pittman, we might, eventually one day comp to someone like Brandon Marshall, like if he was Ooh. playing in a pass first offense with an elite quarterback where they just peppered him, you know, that's the kind of guy that he is. And look, Brandon Marshall was awesome. So I'm not saying he's even in that league yet, but that's the kind of archetype he could be, but he's not a big run after the catch guy. He's not going to beat you over the top a ton for these big throws. I think the scheme could help a little bit because they're going to have a lot of play action. They're going to move Anthony Richardson around, but I do think there are going to be challenges with how many of his passes are going to be catchable. Uh, from Anthony Richardson, he did have 10 and, and, a, games. and a potentially run first offense still. Yeah, it's happening with JT. But right now, I have this because anytime your fifteen to twenty percent of your dropbacks turn into a scramble, those turn into run plays, yeah. <laughs> right? So immediately you start shifting towards being a run heavy team when you have that going on. I'm not trying to make out a Pittman's 2022 campaign to be more successful than it was. What's surprised to see though? Six plus catches in 10 of those games ended up carving out, you know, a low end wide receiver 23 finish in PPR points per game. Of course, though, definitely felt even as bad as the quarterback play was last year. You could still feel better about the underneath accuracy of someone like Matt Ryan than probably what we'll get in year one of the Anthony Richardson experience. So yeah, I maintain like I've only, I've honestly only like made myself draft Pittman a little more often throughout the offseason season just so i could have a stacking partner for anthony richardson but on the other side of things if you ever need a quarterback who you probably don't need a stacking partner with it is anthony richardson lesser extent justin fields as well with the texans nico collins elite 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 Dwayne, 91 route rate 30 percent target share in nine drives with cj stroud we talked about the wide receiver kind of tier cutoff being again after about those first 48 guys Traylon burks being the last name we had there but Hey, you know, drafts happen. Sometimes you're getting ridiculous RB value and you take three of them. You got a quarterback, you got a tight end. Maybe you can't get your five wide receivers in those top 48. Nico Collins for both of us, regularly the probably next man up after that wide receiver cliff that we still feel confident throwing some darts at. Yeah, love Nico as my wide receiver six, but also in your 
to your point, love him as my wide receiver five when a draft goes a certain way where I don't have as many. I have him on some teams where he's my wide receiver four, but I think you look at him as a wide receiver. He grades out as a wide receiver four right now. It's a guy that mm-hmm. took a step forward last year in his target earning ability. Um, he's a guy that can make plays down the field. He can be a weapon inside the five yard line, inside the 10. Now he's just like kind of adding on another good thing. So I know some people look at this and they're like, oh man, preseason utilization. this again, guys, like this is like just another component to like all the things we've studied about Nico Collins this off season and all of it like really pointed towards a potential breakout. And now in the preseason, he comes out and he's the number one target for uh, CJ Stroud. And I know, look, the first game you didn't have Robert Woods out there. So let's just break it down to a targets per route run. Cause, cause Robert Woods has been out there a hundred percent of the snaps the last two games. And again, Nico still dominates. He's at 29%, right? We've got Robert Woods at 10%. So like it's Nico is looking like the wide receiver one and it goes along with what we saw from him last season. Recent news, but right before we started, but the Cardinals cut ties with Colt McCoy had the like the two of his $3 million contract was guaranteed. And they're just like, nah, man, go out. I guess uh, his underdog uh, thing with Josh is just going to be full time now. So Colt McCoy now on the free agent market. Yeah, I guess that was kind of a dig there. Sorry, Colt. But yeah, you know, happy to have you in the fantasy industry for sure. We should uh, we should link up. Probably not after that. Anyway, Dwayne Clayton Toon or Josh Dobbs now under center. Look, based on what we saw last year, man, Joshua Dobbs just objectively was a hell of a lot better than anything. 35 year old Colt McCoy was putting on tape last year i mean you remember that cowboys game like the amount of like actual dimes that dobbs was dropping on like no weeks like actual preparation and like his receivers just weren't helping him out the man had a lead in jacksonville with three minutes left in week 18 before the other josh allen took matters into his own hands and got you know trevor lawrence that week 18 win but is this really like i don't look at the cardinals getting rid of colt mccoy as any more of a sign they're tanking than what we thought you know before this move happened but any thoughts on this you know going out and kyla murray accordingly being on the pup list no i, I and my thought on this is like if 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 tune and mccoy were somehow anywhere close to one another then you just have to play tune, right? Because like you at least want to know what you have. Yeah, you didn't spend like a high pick on him, but you want to know what what he potentially could be. And at that point, like I, I really do think like it's probably gonna be tune. Like and Joshua Dobbs is gonna be like the third guy that's just like the cheaper version. They can do more of the things they do with Kyler in the offense, right? He has a little more mobility. So they can really have like this offense that doesn't just have to be here's Kyler's version of the offense and here's the non-Kyler version of the offense. So I, I don't know any of this for sure. This is just me like speculating, but yeah, yeah. I, this doesn't make me think anymore that the Cardinals, you know, are going to tank, but it doesn't, I, I do think McCoy's shown us he can come out and manage a game. If the team is firing on all other, other cylinders, we don't know that about these other guys. So it, it potentially increases the odds that you're Oh, and four. And then do you start leaning towards not playing Kyler? Like, I mean, I, I do think this could have a small trickle down effect, but I wouldn't overreact. Reminder, hey, you listening right now, quit zoning out. Listen to me right now. This is important. Last round, maybe not last round, last two or three rounds of your fantasy drafts. If Kyler Murray is available, despite all those things we just said, draft him, slide into your IR spot, put pick up whoever the hell else you want on your roster, and guess what? You have your keeper secured for next season. Because even if Kyler Murray's future isn't in Arizona, my God, Dwayne, he's starting somewhere in 2024, and we have never seen Kyler on an NFL field be anything other than one of the more fancy friendly quarterbacks out there. The keeper of 2023. And this news changes nothing about that. Yeah, I'm with you. No, that's, that's a great call. 
putting him on IR and then getting him as your keeper for nothing next year. Absolutely brilliant. There's no downside. You have the IR spot. No. If you don't have the IR spot, it does, like, I get it. Now you're clogging up a roster spot all year for a quarterback where, yeah, it is in a range of outcomes. But with the IR spot, draft Kyler, IR, pick up someone else. He's going after the top 50 running backs, top 75 wide receivers, top 18 tight ends. Like, you're already grasping at straws at that point in the draft anyway. Don't be afraid to secure that 2024 keeper. On the cheap, here we go, Dwayne. Here's a good one. Tegan Quitoriano, Dalton Keene. Are they tight? Are they borderline tight end ones now, Dwayne? Because they outplayed Dalton Schultz uh, with the first team preseason usage. I kid, I kid, but seriously, man, this isn't good. <laughs> yeah, say say it. I kid, I kid, but not really. But not really. I'm <laughs> deathly serious about this. Look, it is just preseason, but as we said, it is a piece of the puzzle. And just again, with Dalton Schultz, you guys have all heard my reasoning for not being on the bandwagon. But six million guaranteed, like this could just be a rotation in a shitty passing game, Dwayne. That is on the table for someone that is now the tight end twelve in ADP. Yeah, so Schultz played the first two drives. Quentin Quatoriano first seven drives. Dalton Keene played all the way to the fifteenth drive. So I don't think this is anything about Dalton Keene doing other th anything other than getting reps. I could be wrong. Um, Tegan Quatoriano, like I had already given him like 25% route participation for the season. I had Dalton Schultz at 75%. I still feel pretty good about that overall for the preseason in the games with CJ Stroud. He's at 78% now on the preseason. So I, I never got carried away with Schultz saying, oh my God, it's going to be 85% route participation and just all the time. Um, but like, I still think he's fine. Like yesterday, 25% target share. Like, so he was still the number two target on the team this preseason. He's at a 20% target share, 22% targets per route run. Guess what? Those were his numbers last year when he was healthy, um, and wasn't battling the MCL injury. So once he got back from that, that's a, that's dead on where he was last season. To your point, it is not the Cowboys offense. So that is the main thing that's going to hurt Dalton Schultz. He's not going to have the upside to score if everything works out right for him, eight or nine touchdowns. That's a potential scenario in the Cowboys offense. Yeah. You're going to be depending more on just getting the reception. So he's worth less in a standard league. In a PPR league, I still think that he's fine. Like as your low end tight end one, I think he's, I, I do still think he finishes in the top 12 tight ends. But to your point, do I think that Dalton Schultz has a bunch of upside? No, the answer is no. I don't think there's a lot there, but I think he's fine still where he's going in drafts. Tyler Higby ahead of Dalton Schultz. And honestly, man, just based on the round difference. Same is, tier. When I'm drafting with you, I, I have to draft Tyler Higby ahead of Dalton Schultz. Okay. I'm not allowed to even mention Dalton Schultz. And 100 drafts, Dwayne. How many times have you taken Higby over Schultz? Like 70? Oh, well, here's the thing. Like, I do feel better that the Rams suddenly show us that their offense is more like 2021 than I do yeah. like having to worry about the Texans taking a big step. Obviously it's, in the obviously, it's in the range of outcomes for the Texans, too. But I do think that, you know, when we look at the Rams offense, is it really that different than what went off a few years ago that was basically just Cooper Cup? It's not like Robert Woods was, like, just bawling out that yeah. year. Odell Beckham Jr. didn't come on the scene until later in the season, and he wasn't even really good until the playoffs got there. So, yeah, I, I think there's a chance that the Rams offense, you know, makes a big rebound based on Stafford being healthy. And we really love the play caller for the Rams, right? A guy that's yeah. got like a, a really good track record. So yes, I do draft Tyler Higby more than I draft Dalton Schultz. He also goes later than Dalton Schultz, which is, True. which is nice. Steelers offense, Kenny Pickett, five drives, 
five touchdowns. Gotta love that. And low-key, Dwayne, in addition to an always awesome target share, Deontay Johnson, 14-yard average target depth. Our guy getting down the field now. I've seen some people say that Deontay Johnson doesn't have a ceiling. He literally finished as the wide receiver eight in PPR points per game all the way back in um, 2019. No, 20, no, it was a tw- 2021. 2021. Yes. All, all the way back in 2021. But talk about that eight eye and like just how that could open up an even bigger ceiling than what we did see with noodle arm, you know, end of his career, Ben Roethlisberger in 2021. Yeah. So number one, the career average, aver- the average depth of target for Deontay Johnson for, but he hit a career high last season with Kenny Pickett. He got over the 10. Do we think the 14 for the preseason is going to stick? No, but what it shows us is there is a range of outcomes where it moves up again. They are pushing the ball down the field overall with Kenny Pickett. And the other thing you have to remember around average depth of target, a lot of this comes back to your mix of talent, like in Mm -hmm. your room. So when you have a guy like George Pickens that the defense has to respect that can push the top, can make the big contested catch down the field, that clears things out. And then suddenly the underneath breaking route, maybe it's a hitch route. Before with Ben Roethlisberger, due to his arm and the other weapons on the team, maybe that was average depth of target of four yards on all your hitch routes. Well, now that can be six or seven, and that's one of his biggest routes. Well, then you mix in the dig route, and all of a sudden that's eight yards down the field instead of six yards, or nine yards down the field instead of six yards. And then you mix in a few extra deep shots. Suddenly you could have Deontay Johnson at an average depth of target of 11. And we have seen guys, uh, hat tip to PA Howdy um, over on Twitter, like there are guys that we have seen that were decent players. We have seen their ADOTs change. Wide receivers do typically own their ADOT, not the quarterback, but we can look at, uh, I don't know what we want to call him today. We'll go with Robbie Chosen. Robbie Chosen actually is one of those guys that we saw just as a deep threat, then get more used underneath. And then the next year he went back to being more of a downfield target. So, there is some component, right, of coaching and the quarterback you're playing with tying into this, still primarily owned by the wide receiver. But, man, if he does go up, Ian, yeah, he's a, he has top six wide receiver upside. And I, I, I get it. Like, some people think that's funny. But anytime you have a player that can average, you know, 25, 30%, they can get 25 to 30% of the target share, that's going to really be big anyway. And if you can make the A dot deeper, then that's just even that's even bigger. So Deontay, like, it's just you don't even talk. I don't even talk about it. He smashed this preseason and <laughs> his target share, but he's always smashed. So we don't really even need to cover all that high end target earner. But if he is getting targets further down the field, it does make his it cre- increases the ceiling because that helps his yards per catch. Real quick, speaking of a chosen Anderson, Dwayne Subway is offering free sandwiches for life to someone willing to legally change their first name to Subway. I'm here for Subway Anderson. That's all I'm saying, man. I'm here for some Why Subway not? Anderson. Why if you not? You got to change your name every year. At least get some free subs for life. Come on, man. Clyde Ebersolaire. Chosen. Yeah. Just make that your last name now and really screw everybody up. Subway yeah, Chosen. For, there you at go. This po- at this point, we just got to lean on the player IDs more than ever in Excel land. So, you know, it is what it is there. With the Kansas City Chiefs here real quick, Clyde Ebersolaire still got I'll the start. i quick hitter now, Ian. Sorry. Yeah, quick hitter. yeah, yeah. <laughs> CH getting the start in Pacheco's first game back. McKinnon's still a third down back. Was, you know, obviously Pacheco's been dealing with his injuries, so this is not confirmation that he's going to be behind Clyde or anything. What it does seem to show, though, Dwayne, is that this is going to be a three-back committee of sorts. And, man, we're talking like around 16, 17, 18 at the very end of fantasy drafts. You will still see Clyde Edwards-Alaire sticking sticking around right there. So, low-key, pretty nice, you know, value handcuff there at the end. Yeah, this could, one, just be a rotation think Pacheco probably is 
the lead back, but that doesn't mean that CEH won't still be involved, right? And if something does happen, then yeah, you just mentioned it. Like CEH is stepping into the bigger part of the role. McKinnon is locked into passing downs. CEH would take over what Pacheco left available on an offense like the Chiefs. I think CEH is very well worth a late round pick, especially in deep leagues. Mentioned that top 48 wide receivers, but Dwayne, if we had to pull one out of there, would it be Sky Moore? Because more and more in this offense, haha. MVS, clear-cut number one, but with Richie James really splitting things with Sky Moore and then also having, uh, you know, our Justin Watson out there and Justin Ross continuing to impress with his opportunities, looking more and more again like we could see a five or even six wide receiver rotation going on in Kansas City. Didn't even mention Rasheed Rice potentially getting more involved. And, oh, yeah, Kadarius Tony's coming back from injury allegedly as well. Yeah, this is just wide open. Uh, Sky Moore had 100% of the routes drive before resting this this last game okay richie game richie james 100 percent first drive before resting justin watson 75 percent, but played 11 drives like justin watson like basically they they need they want someone to beat out justin watson but no one's done it so far he was still the guy out there for 75 percent of the routes on the first drive justin ross saw 25 percent of the routes on the first drive he also played 11 drives he he's a better you know he's the guy that i do think I get the most excited about with a very last round pick. I think it's tougher in best ball because he could be a complete dead square. But in redraft and deep leagues, I think Justin Ross last picks nice 25% targets per route run this season. But speaking of that, Rasheed Rice, 0% of the routes on the first drive, but he only played to drive 11 like Justin Ross. And he has a 30% targets per route run on the season. So Rasheed Rice, like, and I don't, I get it guys. Go ahead and make your joke. I like, you know, 80% of his 30% has been, have been drops or whatever, you know, for she rise some balls this preseason, but drops historically, they're not sticky. So, I mean, and again, you mentioned Tony. So the way I look at this is to start the season, we probably are looking at MVS on the outside, Justin Watson on the outside, Sky Moore playing from the slot. We'll see if Kadarius Tony is healthy. Then as these guys progress through the season, I think it changes. I think eventually you see Justin Watson phased out. The question is, can one player step up and take over like a Justin Watson role? Or is it going to be like last year where that never really happened? It just kind of continued to be a rotation across these guys. I will say with talent like Ross, with talent like Rice, it is worth, right? Like it is worth taking stabs at these guys late. I I, I know the Richie James thing, 100%. Um, I do think, I, 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 I get his allure too. Like, so I'm, Probably did that wrong. Like, sorry. Starting wide receivers week one, MVS on the outside, probably Sky Moore on the outside, and then Richie James in the slot. And then Justin Watson probably rotating some with Sky Moore, Sky Wars, Sky Moore sometimes moving to the slot, um, you know, and, and taking over for Richie James. So I think that's probably the starting lineup, but I just think it's really gonna it's wide open to change at any moment's notice, depending on who's practicing the best. Uh, I, I just think this wide receiver room is totally undetermined right now as far as what it's going to look like by week. Quick few notes I don't think we probably need to go back and forth on, but Hayden Hurst, 12 routes. Ian Thomas, 7 routes. Just a note because we saw Hurst really dominating things uh, more often in the first two weeks of the preseason, but Ian Thomas and our guy Tommy Trembles also out there and could be you know stealing away some of that. Hayden Hurst, again, not someone you're drafting in traditional one tight end leagues anyway. Just note that that every down roll might not be on the table quite as much as we were thinking. A uh, lot, Dalton Schultz. Seventy-five percent just participation still. This okay, that's good. And he's at eighty-seven percent for the preseason. So I think Hayden Hurst is still fine and super 
deep leagues, last round pick, tight end premium type stuff. Good to know. Najee Harris pretty much working with a 65-35 split ahead of Jalen Warren. Very much similar to the ETM Bigsby conversation. Throughout this entire offseason, you will not find a clip of Dwayne or myself saying that Jalen Warren is going to take over this backfield, more so that he can definitely be a thorn in Najee's side. And God forbid something happens to Najee, sky high handcuff upside. So, hey, maybe we can get some flex value if he's going to keep on ripping off big plays, finding the end zone. But again, Najee, definitely the lead back. No one's been disputing that but maybe could see a zeke tony pollard sort of situation emerge there in pittsburgh trey palmer balling seemingly the wide receiver three in tampa bay but still not a given either way when we're baking like we are over there probably not going to be all that great regardless did see rashad white there all nine snaps alongside baker mayfield seems like that sean tucker hype Dwayne was a little more of a training camp takeaway not something we did see carry over into actual games yeah rashad white looks like he's gonna dominate touches uh, I mean, I think you could make an argument. He needs to move up a little bit. Um, I get it. Efficiency was bad last year, but I mean, he's probably looking at a minimum 65% of the snaps and the carries, and he's going to be out there all the time on passing downs has a little more value over in PPR for sure, because we don't expect the bucks to really open up a path to where Rashad White scores 10 to 12 touchdowns in this offense. He's going to have to get there through the receptions. Um, Good news is that's what he was good at in college. That was the thing that got Rashad White drafted where he was drafted. So I think those are positives for him. He's kind of wonky Baltimore running back. Uh, I think at the end of the day, behind J.K. Dobbins, seems like Gus Evers would be the early down back and Justice Hill the pass down back. Is that your read in the situation, Dwayne? Yeah, that's what it's looking like. Yeah. Dolphins released. Oh, we mentioned him. Kiki Kude getting uh, two shout outs in an August podcast. What year are we in? Okay, last thing here, Dwayne. We're recording this at 4.15 p.m. Eastern on Monday. Jonathan Taylor news allegedly going to happen by Tuesday. Where do you think our guy JT lands and has that impacted? Again, you taking the value in round three. Round three of drafts. Yeah, man, I don't know where he's going to land. You probably have a better guess on where he's going to land than me. It's, it's the same th- stuff that I, yeah. I thought of last week. Like, is it the Bears, like, make sense. They've looked at him. We know the Rams have called. We know the Dolphins have called. Uh, the Dolphins have made an offer uh, that was rejected. Um, there was another team. I'm missing one team. There's another team that also really? was. Okay, yeah, yeah. So probably one of those. It wouldn't surprise me if like somebody else jumped in there. But I, bottom line is I think JT's playing week one. So yeah. I, I don't know exactly where he's going to be playing, but I do think he's still playing week one, which answers your other question. Like I think he's worth it um, in round three. Camden in his home league draft last night, he got JT in round four. Jeez. Got him on Ross St. Brown in round three. This is a 12-teamer. This is a 12-team league. Who's he playing not, with, Dwayne? I mean, I don't even think he needed to help him with this. My goodness. I, yeah, I probably <laughs> didn't need to help him with this. Like, but yeah, it's, it, was, it was wild. Like, I kept thinking, do you want to hear his squad real quick? Is that how we need to end the show? Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not joking. Here, here are his running backs. Christian McCaffrey. Josh, he had pick six. Christian McCaffrey, this is full PPR. Christian McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, and J.K. Dobbins are his running backs. His wide receivers are Amon Ross St. Brown, Deontay Johnson, D.J. Moore, Drake London, Tyler Lockett, George Pickens, and Gabriel Davis. Oh, my God. His tight ends are Chig Okonkwo and Luke Musgrave. We talked about Daniel Jones as his quarterback. Everybody took the two quarterbacks. Everybody took the two tight ends. So, obviously... and. 
dude, if you go look at some of these other people's depth charts, it's not like, I mean, every team obviously can't be like this. It's a 12 team league and they draft 16 rounds. There's a decent amount of players gone. There are people that drafted two kickers. There are people that drafted two and three defenses. Um, I have no clue what was going on, but uh, I told Camden that if he loses, like he may have to change his last name. Like (laughs) he's going to be able to make trades. I told him, I was, dude, your hardest problem right now is like, you're never, you're not going to know who to start. Your team's loaded. Like you're not, I said, the biggest mistake you're going to make every week is you're going to be mad that you started the wrong player. But like what he should be able to do is upgrade quarterback and tight end based off of all these people that are, people are going to go to the waiver wire on week one and they're going to be like, oh man, like, oh my God, look at all these players that are like ranked in the top, like 30, they're all on Camden's team. So yeah, I told him, I said, Hey, this will be like, cause Camden's not super into like social stuff. I was like, this is going to force you to like, have to go make deals. Like you're going to have to reach out to these people and make trades. So anyway, yeah, that was an eye opener as to what can happen on an ESPN home league. It, you know, you just had that awesome video go up on the Fantasy Life YouTube, breaking down some of those bigger pricing discrepancies in your home league sites versus, you know, not always sharper rooms, but at least, you know, high stakes rooms with ADP that at least makes a little more sense, I believe, when you actually do break it down. So shout out Camden. Great day. It'd be great. Make sure you win that league and don't Crushed have it. to, you know, maybe get a last name with Titson or something. Don't always get a great draw with that, Dwayne. Great stuff. Appreciate everyone tuning in again. Dwayne, are you going to have another another utilization article out here yep. in a day or two? Awesome. Yeah, writing it now, um, you know, putting all of it together. So super excited. And uh, again, we got some other stuff working. Projections, uh, we'll, be, we'll have week one projections up next week, um, you know, ahead of the season, obviously. So a lot of stuff coming. And week one is almost here, people. I am so almost freaking here, ready. Man. I love your preseason utilization shit, Dwayne. I don't really love it, but, you know, I support it. It's important. I get that. <laughs> I'm so ready to watch this some live important football again, though, man. Cannot wait. Cannot wait to give you guys some fantastic content throughout this season when that happens as well. You can get ranks updated. Dre McFarlane, Matthew Friedman, and the GOAT was himself. I promise you all they will be updated by this weekend because I know how important home league drafts are over Labor Day weekend. Keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for Dwayne's utilization. Believe me, I'll have some good shit on the website as well. And subscribe to our newsletter. Why not? It's uh, completely free. Can't hurt. Seven days a week now starting, baby. We are here week one. Let's go. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody.